Since the fall, I've begun receiving periodic and unsolicited updates by Father Alex on his doctorate that he's been working on in Italy. So I would get a message who would say, they've approved my work, meaning what, you know, his dissertation that he submitted. I have a defense date. I have a printed copy of the dissertation. I'll show you when I get home. And so, of course, he comes home, ooh, oh, wow, the table of contents. <laughs> now, while these remarks that he's sharing with me might seem trivial to, to many people, Keep in mind, they come from a man who for five years has lived outside of this country, who's been separated from his family, and he's been cut off from the joy of parish work. He's not engaging families, he's engaging textbooks. He's been chained to a desk with a sole job to research and to write. He's been stuck in this mode day in and day out while the whole rest of the world and all the people in it that he loves are moving on and about without him. And all he could do is dream about the day when he would finally be released. So in light of that, you can understand then why every step of progress in the final months, no matter how small it is, signaled for him a time that freedom was near. And so I could hear in each statement that he was sending me a spilling over of a joy that he could barely keep to himself. He's almost done. His advent is nearing an end, and he's experiencing already in himself a personal Gaudete Sunday. It's exactly how I imagine John the Baptist felt at the time that we heard about him in the desert today. Now, as you know, during Advent, I've approached the readings from the perspective of desire. So the first Sunday, I spoke about our desire for God and tapping into the ache for him that we all have within us, recognizing that he alone can satisfy it. Then last Sunday, I talked about the amazement that God actually desires us and expresses in himself an eagerness to be united to us. And so now, on Gaudete Sunday, the fruit of this union is our desire to share it with other people. So the main figure that we're given, like last week, is John the Baptist. When we look at John the Baptist's life, he's the son of the high priest Zechariah, which means he was steeped in a liturgical anticipation of the coming Messiah. Scholars believe that he belonged to the Essene community, which lived a very strict asceticism in the desert in preparation for the Messiah's arrival. And then when we look at his own words, we can tell that his entire life is centered in the coming of this messianic figure. So, for example, he'll say things like in John's Gospel, He who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Sounds mysterious. What he's saying is he's actually pointing back to the prophet Jeremiah, who foretold that when redemption comes... There will be heard the voice of the bride and the voice of the bridegroom. And this happens when the bride, as it says in the gospel, all the country of Judea and all the people of Jerusalem go out to the desert to John and they're confessing their sins. The bridegroom, of course, is Jesus. So when Jesus comes over that sandy bend, you can imagine what that moment meant for John the Baptist whose whole existence has longed for this day. And he turns to his disciples when it's past and says, 
This joy of mine is now full. That's in John's gospel. So what does he do with the joy? He shares it. He shares it with his disciples and he ends up sending them to Jesus. He shares it with the people of Jerusalem, telling them to follow him. He shares it with the soldiers. He shares it with everybody that he meets. Because that's what joy does. Like real bone deep kind of joy creates in us a desire to share it with others, not to keep it to ourselves. It's almost impossible to do that. And John, he shares it in a lot of ways, right? He's preaching, he's inviting, he's correcting, even his own martyrdom. But the greatest witness that any of us will ever give is the homily of our life. So, as the church leads us into her joy, this Gaudete Sunday, the question I have for you tonight, what is the homily of your life preaching? Paul gives us great advice on a lifestyle of rejoicing that would preach this kind of message. He says a person of this habit would pray without ceasing, meaning they're actually carving out times for prayer in their day. But they're also living their day with a prayerful kind of attitude. Like, all right, Jesus, I'm about to run into my boss. Give me the strength. In all circumstances, he says, give thanks. No, he doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances but in all circumstances, meaning there's a disposition that is inclined to the truth that God is working all things to our good. And so even if we get a flat tire on our drive, we can turn to the Lord knowing that somehow this is going to serve his, the goodness of his plan. Paul says, do not quench the spirit, meaning we should be avoiding cynicism, complaints, pessimism, fault finding. All that kind of stuff is very uninspiring among Christians. It counters the Christian witness. Instead, we should cultivate a healthy optimism about God's providence and plan. And he says, do not despise the prophetic utterances, meaning we witness or we don't witness when we have critical attitudes towards homilies, not that they're above it, but if they are a prophetic witness, there should be an openness to the truth that is contained within them. Or if we exercise contempt or neglect of Scripture, all that kind of stuff undermines the gospel that we're claiming to believe. If we really believe this, we should be engaging it. And then, of course, the obvious one, he says, refrain from all evil. And if we do those things, just imagine, imagine the impact that would have in the world that we live in today, which is very steeped in cynicism, pessimism, complaints, fault finds, has nothing to do with religion, is engaged in evil. That creates dissatisfaction in human hearts. But to live in a world like this, as St. Paul is saying, is to bear testimony to another way. So that when the world doesn't satisfy them, they have somewhere to turn. And maybe your friends or maybe your family or maybe a coworker will look at you and find something that they want and ask you how you went about to find it. And there you will be, ready to share your joy. And in sharing it, like John, your joy will be complete.